Good morning, and welcome to Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. I'm so glad you're here because this is the day the Lord has made, and we shall be glad and rejoice in it. So I give honor and praise and glory to Almighty God. I love Jesus. I hope you do too. And God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. And we want to invite the Holy Spirit to be with us during the, these next few minutes together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would indeed uh, feel welcome in this place. Lord, in all the places where this is being viewed, because you can be everywhere at the same time. So Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will feel welcome. I pray your Holy Spirit will speak to us, each of us, through your word and challenge us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's look at how to confront like Jesus. How to confront other people the way Jesus sometimes had to. Because there's a right way and there's a wrong way, and there's right things to confront people about, and there's wrong things to confront people about. And I think we've got a passage uh, in the Gospel of John that will show us and teach us just how to do it. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to learn to deal with people the way Jesus dealt with them. So, so come with me, and let's look into this passage. You know, Jesus had a lot of opposition in the ministry. He had a lot of people who were against him. They didn't like what he was doing. And most of the time, the people who were against him were the other religious leaders, the people who felt like they were righteous, and because Jesus didn't do things the way they wanted them to do them, wanted him to do them, then that wasn't good enough. Obviously, something was wrong with him. Have you ever met people like that? That that just because you and they have some differences of opinion on how to conduct your life, that they just condemn you. And how do we deal with that? Well, let's let's look at this story and see what Jesus did. Because you see, Jesus did not abide by their standards, but he abided, he instead he would only abide by the Word of God. So let's look at it. John chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to read verses 1 to 9 just to get us started here. John chapter 5. It says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches and crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on these porches. One of the men laying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill for a long time, Jesus asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always goes there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began walking. Let's, we're going to stop the reading of that passage right there for now. But if you have your Bibles, keep them open there, because we're going to come back. So the first thing is, Jesus is back in Jerusalem for a feast. Just a little side note here. 
It doesn't name what Jewish feast he was there for. Usually in the Bible, when it doesn't actually name the feast, then it's usually talking about the Passover feast. And so if that's the case, then, uh, then this, this particular Passover feast would mean that uh, he had, Jesus, his ministry was about halfway finished. He'd been uh, about one and a half years or so uh, into his three-year ministry. So that's just a side note that whenever you see in the New Testament mentioning a feast and it doesn't say what which one, usually it's the Passover feast. And you can kind of gear your mind around that. And then John, John who's writing this uh, gospel, goes on to describe a significant pool. It's called the Pool of Bethesda, which uh, had healing powers, evidently. Now, the Jews, uh, other writings would talk about the pool of Bethesda and what they would what they taught was that there was an angel who would appear and begin stirring the waters and as the waters began bubbling up and getting all stirred up the first person into the pool when the waters was stirring that person would be healed of whatever disease or infirmity they had and that, that coincides exactly with what the scriptures uh, is saying here as well. So all the sick people would wait close by the pool and they would hope that way they would notice the stirring of the waters and they would jump into the pool and then they would get hopefully get healed. Well, of course, this man was paralyzed and he couldn't get to the water quick enough. He was never the first one in. So that was his problem. You know, he, he almost presents it as an excuse. Well, I can't be healed because I can't get into the water fast enough. He doesn't know this is the Messiah he's talking to. He doesn't recognize this is Jesus, the Son of God. He does not know that, or he would not be giving a, uh, an excuse like that to him because he would have known immediately that Jesus doesn't need an angel to heal you. Jesus can do it himself if he wants to. And so, and so it was almost like an excuse. Well, I can't be healed because I can't get into the water, and I don't have any friends. You know, I always wondered about that one. I don't have any friends. He had no one who cared about him. That's sad. But you know, he's been sick for 38 years. Maybe he had friends 38 years ago. We don't know. But he obviously doesn't have any now. So he's a lonely man, he's paralyzed, he's just kind of trapped in that situation, and he doesn't know any way to get out of it. But Jesus does. When you're trapped in a situation and you can't figure out how to get out of it, Jesus knows. He has an answer. Believe, believe me, he does. So this man been sick for 38 years. Jesus approaches the man. Jesus knows his condition. And he asks, do you want to be made well? Wow, what a question. Uh, you know, I, I could almost hear some, some smart Alex uh, saying back to Jesus, uh, well, what do you think, Captain Obvious? Of course I want to be well. I don't think it's quite that obvious because I've met some people, uh, I've had people in my churches over the decades that they were sick and they were chronic sick. <laughs> they were chronically sick, all the time sick, and they got to where they enjoyed all the attention they got. 
Some people don't really want to be made well. I know it's hard to believe, but some people don't. So it was a legitimate question. So Jesus said, do you want to be made well? Well, you know, uh, of course he wanted to be made well. And, uh, and so he says, I, you know, I would like to be made well, but I can't get into the water when it's stirred. The man didn't recognize that this was Jesus. Jesus immediately heals the man. Do you notice that? He didn't wait for the water to stir. He didn't call for the, an angel, say, hey, angel, come on over and stir this water. I want, I'm going to, let's, let's heal this man right here. He didn't help him get into the water. You see, Jesus, Jesus is the son of God. He can heal people instantly. He can do anything instantly. Three points. First of all, Jesus cared more about restoration than rules. Let's read on in this passage and let's see how that comes about. Jesus cared more about restoration. He cared more about restoring this man to health than he cared about some petty rules that the religious leaders had made up. Yeah, here we go. John chapter 5, verse 9, on to 13. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders, talking about the religious leaders, they objected. They said to the man who was uh, cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. So Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day. That's the seventh day of the week. That's Saturday. That was the holy day for, for Jews. They, they had to keep that holy. They were not uh, supposed to work their regular job, that was, and that was scriptural. They were not supposed to work uh, their regular job. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 uh, tells us that. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days uh, shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, Thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. You can't work on the Sabbath, the Saturday, the seventh day of the week, if you are Jewish. That was one of the commandments. By the way, it's the only one of the Ten Commandments not repeated in the New Testament. Because we don't celebrate the Sabbath, we celebrate the Lord's Day as Christians. However... Uh, it, it only prohibited working at your normal place of employment. So was the man getting up and rolling up his, his bed mat and carrying it away, was that really breaking the Sabbath? No, not according to Jewish Old Testament Bible law. But what it did was it did break the rules that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the other religious leaders of Judaism had added to the Old Testament. 
You see, they had created at least 39 other rules to go alongside this particular one that said you shouldn't work on the Sabbath. And one of them happened to be, uh, you're not allowed to carry anything from one place to another. In particular, it said you can't carry anything from uh, a private place to a public place or a public place to a private area. Okay. You can't carry anything. And so they were condemning this healed man because he had his sleeping mat and he was walking. This man had not walked for 38 years. And they're concerned about he's got his mat under his arm. Now we look at that today and we say, that is the silliest thing you ever heard. Friends, I've seen some silly things that we've done too, though, haven't you? I, I, I bet you have. So the Jews questioned the healed man. Who healed you and told you you could pick up that mat and walk? Well, the Jews didn't, the, the Jewish leaders, they didn't even care about the change that had happened. They didn't care that this man was healed after 38 years. They didn't care. And that kind of tells you a little bit about their heart, doesn't it? They didn't care. How can, how can you be mistaken for Jesus? How can you walk like Jesus walked? Well, focus on a person's restoration. Focus on what God is doing in that person's life. And instead of worrying about them abiding by all of your particular nitpicky rules and regulations. There's no one that lives his life or her life the way I want them to. I've never met anyone that does that. Because they're people. They're individuals. We cannot just automatically expect everyone to do things exactly like we do. So the first thing is Jesus cared more about restoration than rules. The second one, Jesus cared more about forgiveness than punishment. Uh, John 5, 14, but afterward, Jesus found him, the man who had been healed, in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. All right, so Jesus goes to the temple, and he finds the man who had been healed, probably, I'm guessing, the man was there to, uh, uh, to, to praise God for his healing, he, he went to the temple. Uh, he was probably there. He was wanting to uh, give a, a, an offering to the, to the temple, make a sacrifice you know, in honor of God healing him. You know, he, he was overjoyed. But Jesus cared more about forgiveness than punishment. The Jewish leaders were more interested in punishing this man because he broke their Sabbath laws. Jesus was far more interested in forgiving the man. Now, this is an interesting story because, you see, this man, he received a physical healing before his spiritual healing. First, he got his physical healing. Well, oftentimes we think of it as going the other way around. We are healed spiritually. We come to God, and then God blesses us. But that's not always the case. You see... God heals people even when they are not believers in hopes that they will recognize him as God and recognize what he's done and become believers. And that's what happened in this particular case. Jesus finds him, he said, and he tells him, now you are well, you've been healed physically. So stop sinning 
or something even worse may happen to you. He's warning him. Okay? And so, so he got his physical healing first, and now this is his spiritual healing. So he, re he, he reveals that this man's illness had been a punishment for a life of sin. Now, we have no idea what this man was doing. We have no idea. But evidently, something was wrong in his life. And, and, and somehow this illness was connected to that. Jesus makes that connection. But be careful here. Don't, don't fall into the trap that so many of the Jewish people in Jesus' day and even before fell into. And that was thinking that if you are ill, it's automatically because you're sinning. No, you can't, you can't, you can't, that's, that, that's a leap that's going to land you right down in, in the canyon, all right? That's a leap you can't make, okay? Sometimes, sometimes an illness is connected to uh, sin, your, sin in your life, but you can't always tell that. So when you are ill, you do need to go to God and say, God, Reveal to me, is there anything that I am doing that's wrong? That, that you're trying to get my attention? And if so, confess it, repent of it, and, and, and move on. But most of the time, we're sick just because we've been around someone else who was sick, and we caught something, and we live in a very fallen world. And there's a lot of germs, as we well know, after this last year. There's a lot of things that can spread. Do you realize I've spent the last 15 months and never had the sniffles, not a, not, no sickness, nothing whatsoever? Uh, that just shows me how, how, uh, how we really do catch things and how we get, a, get them from other people, all right? So I'm hoping now that we're opening things up again, um, I'm hoping that maybe we've learned some lessons about personal hygiene and, and things like that, all right? So anyway, back to, back to our text. So Jesus reminds the man that he has, had been healed to bring his attention to the good that God has done for him. You see, he wants God's goodness to serve as a motivation to keep this man's life back on track. He's got it on track, now let's keep it on track. And Jesus did not want the world to rain down judgment on others, but he wants, he wants to bring them into a relationship with God. John 3.17 says, God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So point people to salvation through Jesus Christ and challenge them to live righteously before God. Jesus cared more about forgiveness than punishment. Here's my third and final point. Jesus cared more about truth than conformity. Got a little bit more scripture to read here for you. So it's John chapter 5, verse 15 to 18. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. That's what they thought. So the healed man, he leaves the temple and he goes and he tells the religious leaders that Jesus is the one who restored him to health. 
And the Jews are angry. They begin persecuting Jesus, and, and they're even conspiring to kill him. They were not happy that this man was healed. They were doubly not happy that this man was healed on the Sabbath. And they were only concerned about the fact that Jesus just did not do things the way they wanted him to. So Jesus, Jesus declared to them in this passage that he was God. Now you might miss it because we're reading it through our Western, uh, probably American eyes and mind, you might miss it. Because, and here's where he does. He says, Jesus said, my father is always working and so am I. That's it. You can read over that and say, okay, all right, well, that's nothing there. Oh, but to the Jewish ear, what he said, oh my. He just claimed to be God. All he said was, my father, there's the key. You see, when Jews, Jewish people pray, they were very careful to pray, our father. Because they felt that if anyone were to say, my father, they were claiming an extra high position, an extra relationship with God. Well, Jesus was claiming that, very clear and simple. So they knew what he meant. He meant, I am the Son of God. Now, again, again, in our kind of Western mindset, we would think of the Father and the Son, the Son being kind of subservient to the Father, not as important as the Father in a household. But that's not the way the Jewish people tended to look at it. A son in the Jewish household, the oldest firstborn son, was considered equal to the father. So if when he said, my father, he was basically just coming right out and saying, in their own kind of uh, language, he was saying, I am equal to the father. Oh, they caught on immediately. Jesus was declaring that he is God. So now the Jews are even more angry because they wanted Jesus just to be a, just like them. They didn't want, they, they couldn't handle the fact that this man really was the son of God. And Jesus cared more about truth than conformity. And the truth is, Jesus is God. He is equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He is God. That's the truth. And Jesus cares more about truth than conformity. Oh, is there a lesson there for our current situation in this world today? I think so. Jesus cares more about truth than conformity. Jesus is vastly interested in the truth. He even said, I am the truth. The way, the truth, and the life. He cares about truth. And we live in a society where, where, where there's so much untruth and misinformation being put out there. And we, we, we don't know what to believe. And we have to be very careful what we read on social media. Where is it coming from? It looks like it's coming from a legitimate news source, but is it? We have to do our homework. 
We have to be very careful in today's world. But I'll tell you this, Jesus cares more about truth. He's concerned about you finding the truth and living out the truth, more so than just conforming and trying to fit in with everybody else. So there's a few lessons from Jesus in this wonderful story. And, and those lessons are, you know, once again, Jesus cared more about forgiveness than punishment. He cared more about truth than conformity. And he cared more about forgiveness uh, than punishment. Wait, where's my first one? I'm looking for it. Hang on. Hang on. It's here. Oh, this is embarrassing. This is terrible. Ah, I found it. Okay, never mind. I've got it. Jesus cared more about restoration than rules. Now think about that. Restoration and forgiveness and truth. That's what our lives need to be about if we're going to really follow Jesus. Thank you. Bless you. May you have a wonderful week. And may this week you be more like Jesus. And pray for me that I may be more like Jesus too. God bless you.